Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and catch your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. My address, if you want to contact me, is askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com, which stands for Lifestyles Unlimited, Inc., so it's askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. And uh, we can get your you know questions answered for you. It's me answering your questions. No one else. Uh, I take my own emails and so forth. So if you've got something, send it to me, and we'll see if we can get it. If it's good, uh, we'll think about putting it on the radio as a question uh, that we can answer. Today, my friends, um, we're going to take it way, 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 way back, all the way back to the beginning, and we're going to discuss some of the basic concepts that I came up with that have boded well for me to allow me to become a multi-multi-millionaire. And I use the term multi-multi-millionaire because there is no term when you have millions uh, that are well in excess of million, you know, it just... Anything all the way, even up to a hundred millionaire. You're like, what is a hundred millionaire? What do I call myself if I'm a hundred millionaire, right? So you just do a multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire to me means like two million. You know, I'm a multi-millionaire. I got two of them, right? The point I'm making is that there are these long, long distances from where I started and where I am today. And what I've what to do today is to take you way, 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 way back to where I was just a middle-class, hard-working dude and share with you some of the things I learned that changed my life. So today's show is going to be called Chunking. Yes, Chunking. And uh, you'll figure out why it's called that later on as we get to it. But let's go way back. I'll give you a little history. I was working at a health club called Bally's Health Clubs. At the time, I was a supervisor. I'd work my way up from a gym instructor slash equipment cleaner slash pool cleaner. In other words, I got paid $2.75 an hour. Really had no skill sets. Just liked it because I got a free gym membership because I was a bodybuilder at the time. And so I worked my way up into sales and Eventually from sales, I became a sales manager, and eventually from sales manager, I became a supervisor, and I was running, I think, at the most six clubs at any one time was my largest number of clubs. Don't know what the average number. Most supervisors ran three or four, you know, something like that. Um, whatever. The The bottom line was is that it was just a job. I'm, I did it 12 hours a day, six days a week. And interestingly enough about a job like that is that they really didn't care how hard you worked. I mean, they really had no concept. Their concept was, we cannot afford to pay people the kind of pay where it's 
based on how many hours you're in the gym. So they came up with a concept that there was a salary. Now, it's against the law to pay people like you have a salary. Um, and they gave everybody a title. And so everybody had a title. They could get away with calling them, you know, salary. And I made a joke of it for years. You've heard my joke at least a thousand times is that I worked in a grocery store. My job was I was vice president in charge of orange juice. And when I went home and told my dad that, he said, you're crazy. There is no such thing as a vice president charge orange juice. And he said, I'll prove it to you. And he called down to the grocery store and said, let me speak to the vice president in charge of orange juice. And the little girl on the other end of the line said, yes, sir. Would that be fresh, frozen, or concentrate? So in other words, everybody who was stocking a shelf was a vice president of whatever it was they were stocking. And so in that situation, you know, I, I realized that I was getting paid $2.75 an hour based on a 12-hour day with no overtime, six days a week with no overtime. That's just the way it worked. We were happy to have that job. We, saying whoever else was stupid enough to work there, and I, I enjoyed the job because I liked being around working out and bodybuilding and helping people. Teaching and motivating was really something I enjoyed, which you can see later on in life I took on as a full-time business. But it was interesting because I was doing that, and the whole theory behind me doing this was one that my boss had. My boss was an ex-pro football player, a washout, so to speak. He had been a pro football player, but then he washed out, couldn't keep playing, didn't make enough money to retire. He was just one of those guys that had been on the team, uh, probably second team. I don't know. You really never know because I never saw his name anywhere that was important, but he was played for the Detroit Lions, I believe. And I think he was on second string because I'd never heard of him. Uh, yet he was always known as the football player, big dude. And his theory was this. Wherever he got the theory, I have no idea, but he had the theory. And I think he told me his boss gave it to him. It's where it came from now that I think back. And uh, the theory is I'm going to work twice as hard and twice as long as anybody else my age. Instead of eight hours a day, we'll work 12 hours a day. Instead of five days a week, we'll work six days a week. And so where most people worked 40 hours a week, we worked 60 to 80 hours a week on our job. Theory, I'll work twice as hard, twice as long as everybody else, and accumulate more money. Because I work twice as hard and twice as long, which we didn't really make more money. It just so happened. <laughs> it just that part of the theory didn't really hold water, but that was the way they explained it to us. And then what I was going to do, according to him, was I was going to save that money because I'm working. And it, was, and it was really easy to save back then. When you work 12 hours a day, six days a week, there's not a lot you can spend money on. Believe you me, it just isn't. And um, you throw in being a bodybuilder and working out another two hours a day on top of that. Now we're talking 14 hours a day commitment, six days a week commitment, maybe seven. By Sunday, there was nothing for me to do except go to the grocery store, buy groceries, do my laundry, right? And by the time I bought groceries and done my laundry and did whatever other things I had to do just to pay my bills and to get along, the day was over. There was nothing there. So there's really no place to spend any money. It was very effective for saving. And I saved, and I put my money in the stock market. And I put my money in uh, limited partnerships. And I put my money into oil and gas drilling partnerships. And I put my money into CDs. And I put my money into real estate trusts. In other words, I was very diversified. So I didn't see there was any possibility of me having any kind of a problem with that. It was going to end up someday really wealthy and able to retire. And all that went well until one day, 
Black Monday, October 19th, and my birthday is October 20th, so it happened on the 19th, but my birthday was the 20th, so it really happened on my birthday. We found out that the stock market had crashed, and um, I'd lost quite a bit of money. Now, as I look back at it, I had already been working in this industry for a number of years, eight years, 10 years, something like that, and I lost a large chunk of money, and I just had a little sit-down with myself. You know those ones where you just go sit in a room and go, my gosh, and you, you pull your hair back, and you wipe your eyebrows, and you ask yourself, what am I doing? I've just had this plan that for the last 10, 12 years, I'm killing myself. Working 12 hours a day, six days a week, killing myself, taking everything I earn and putting it away, and then I lost it all. And right then and there, you know, you start to have almost epiphanies. It's like light came on. I thought it was a spaceship, came over my head, hovered there and said, Del Wamsley, you are an idiot, and you will never do these stupid things again. And I thought to myself, okay, i got to learn something from this. You know, you lose a lot of money. It's costing you for an education of some kind. I've got to learn something. And what I figured out, was rule number one. Rule number one in my life is never lose money. I said to myself, you know, with all that money I lost, I could be driving the nicest car, the most expensive car in the world. I could be living in the most wonderful home in the world, but I'm not because I lost that money. I said to myself, Dell, you realize that you could have enjoyed that money instead of just let somebody take it away from you. And you realized that somebody out there had their hands on your money and just wrote you a little letter and said, it's gone. That's right, it's gone. We're talking today about uh, how I got started in real estate investing and some of the basic belief systems that I created early on that have helped me to have the success that I've been able to have over these years. And we're stuck at the point right now where we're talking about losing my money in the stock market and in other types of investments that were all out there for us to pick from. And I'm talking about what I felt like after it happened. And I've talked about, I came to a couple of conclusions. One of the conclusions was that um, I could lose my own money. I don't need to pay somebody else like a financial planner to control my stuff, a broker to buy and sell me stocks and bonds or any of that kind of stuff. I figured out to myself that I can own my own businesses. I can own my own stuff. And if I'm terrible and I lose it, I won't be mad at myself because I know I would have tried. But giving my investments over to somebody else and letting them lose them and them not even caring. I remember after the stock market crash, uh, the financial planner I had, he left town. Because people wanted to kill him. He had lost everybody's net worth. And uh, it's really crazy. I remember in 2008, a guy named Stein. I don't even know what the guy does. He thinks he's a financial planner. He thinks he's an actor. Uh, but he was with another guy. He was with had a radio show for years. He's now gone. The SEC took him off the air because he was, you know, making claims that he couldn't substantiate. And this Stein guy was his sidekick. And I've seen Stein on TV, too. And um, the Stein guy says on the radio show, he says, look, I'm not embarrassed that I lost um, only 40% of my client's money. Uh, Many financial planners lost half, if not all, of their client's money. 
I'm thinking to myself, you are blankety blank, 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 are bragging that you only lost 40% of your client's money and that made you better? I mean, just these guys are unbelievable. I've never met a financial planner, never, that actually had any common sense at all except the ones that join Lifestyles. And they go, look, I'm sorry, don't tell anybody I'm a financial planner. But I realize that you've got the, you've got the product that really works and I've got to get into it. Uh, unfortunately, I made financial planning my career and so please don't tell anybody I'm a financial planner. I mean, I get that all the time, guys, because these yahoos, they just, they're willing to lose all your money, but they also realize they're not willing to lose their own. And so they won't do what it is they tell you you should do. So I figured that one out, and uh, I then came to the conclusion that rule number one has to be don't lose money. Give it away. Spend it. Enjoy it. But don't lose it. And what does that mean? That means gambling. Gambling is rule number one. Speculation is a better word for it, because you would never admit to your wife that you, you are a gambler. You have this disease. You have a sickness. The sickness is called gambling. What and where do you do it? Everywhere in your life. You have the instantaneously, gratificationally diseased idea that you can buy something low and sell it high. And by doing nothing at all, nothing, you didn't improve it, you didn't make it better, you didn't carry it on your back around the world three times, you did nothing, and somebody's going to pay you more for it. Now, what could that be? That could be gold or silver. You buy it, and somebody else is dumb enough to pay you more for it. And by the way, I call this the greater fool theory. There's always going to be somebody out there that's dumber than I am, and they will pay me more for the crap that I paid too much for in the first place. And so it reminds me when I was a little kid, we used to play this thing called hot potato and or something chairs, musical chairs or whatever, and they would there'd be one less chair than the number of kids, and we'd all run around the outside of these chairs, and the music would stop. We had to find a chair, and if you didn't have a chair, you're out. Then they'd take away one more chair, and we'd keep doing it until it's down to nobody. That's the way gambling works, is that it takes people's money away from them and gives it to somebody else that doesn't deserve it. And it goes on and on and on and on until somebody, one person, the greatest gambler, has it all. That's what happens when you play cards, you're gambling, and somebody ends up winning all the money on the table. Other people get out and take their losses early and just go, man, I'm lucky I got out. But what is gambling? Anything where you expect to earn money by it being worth more than what you paid for it. So stocks, and by the way, if you don't like gambling, we'll call it speculation. I'm speculating these stocks will go up in value. What if they go down? Well, I don't know. Well, why would you even get into something? I, because I think it's going to go up. But how do you know it's going to go up? Well, I don't really know. I'm just going to speculate that it is. How about your house? One of the stories we're told when we're younger is that you should buy the largest home you can possibly buy, live in it, and pay the mortgage on it for 30 years. At the end of that time, you'll have a gigantic asset. At the end of that time, that house should have gone up in value multiples of times. Reality is, almost never happens that way. I mean, it has a few places. There's been inflation some places, but other than that, the bottom line is the house is destroyed over time. It wears out. It's really a liability. To sell it, you have to fix it up. You have to come out of your pocket with more money to be able to fix it up enough to sell it. Your home, to think it's an investment, is a speculation, right? It's a speculation because it's not paying you any money. It's not giving you any benefits other than to live there. So we look at this, and you look at stocks and bonds and real, real estate and all these different things you buy. You're buying them under the confluence that they might go up in value. You're believing they might go up in value. Not they will, 
they might. And this in itself is speculation. And so rule number one is really simple. Don't buy anything under the assumption it might go up in value, right? It just doesn't. So do I buy things that others consider speculative? Yes. Do I buy them to speculate? No. I buy a nice, expensive home to live in because why? Because I use it as consumption. I am eating it alive. I'm wearing it out. And I have to maintain it. I had four contractors over here yesterday. I had a guy working on the stucco. I had a guy working on the um, painting, the house, interior, next year painting. I had a guy working on the sprinkler system, and I had a guy planting plants. Today, we've got a locksmith coming, right? Uh, and on and on and on and on. We've got a guy coming to a plant trees, trim trees, you name it, we've got it. There is nothing about my home that makes it an investment. Now, how did I try to curb that? I bought it for like half of what it was worth. I bought it from some young kid that built it brand new, thinking he was going to be rich his whole life because his daddy gave him a bunch of money. He went out, got married, had a kid, flirted around, messed around his wife, got another girl pregnant, got a divorce, one year into the, into the marriage, and was stuck with his house. I had no idea what to do with it. Nobody else would buy it. It was just too big, too expensive. So he lost money. What would you say to women out there, Kelly, if they're thinking about doing this, if they're sitting out there right now going, I'm trapped with a glass ceiling where I work. I know I can't go up any further. There's, there's no room there. What would you say to them about becoming their own boss? Well, you know, you can decide to stay where you're at and keep trying to crack that glass ceiling. But at the end of the day, in this environment, it is so easy, you know, to be able to get out of that mold. People know me and they come up to me and they're very gracious and they don't look at me and say, oh, you're a woman, I'm not gonna invest with you, I'm gonna go over here. There's no real gender there. Are you ready to be part of a world where there are no glass ceilings, no gender bias, no limits? Start like award-winning real estate investor Kelly did with the online free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Today we're discussing uh, the beginnings of my investment career and the things that I figured out early on that later led to massive success just by following the rules. The first rule was never lose money. You know, it's interesting. When you talk to your financial planner, they talk about this concept you need to diversify. Where does the concept of diversification come from? It comes from the concept that they don't have any idea what works. Let's think about this. I used to do this in my seminar. Uh, just get it on the whiteboard and I'd write, okay, here's a, an investment that can make 100% return. Do we know they have them? That they're out there? Yes, we do. Because here at Lifestyles, we do them all the time. Uh, big, giant capital gains deals, okay? Then the second thing we looked at is, can you earn 20%? And I'd write 20% up there and you go, yeah, people, we can earn 20%. Look at the cash flows on our deals. Uh, anywhere from 10 to 20% cash flow from a uh, rental property. Very easy to make those kind of returns. Then I put down 2%. And uh, I say, can we earn 2% or less? And everybody goes, yeah, of course, we can buy bonds. We can uh, find bonds all day long at 2% or CDs and so forth. So we know we can earn 2%. All right, then we go to the other side of the, then we show zero. And can we earn zero? Yes, we have lots of stuff. We own a house, doesn't pay us any money. We have a 401k that doesn't pay us any money. We have an IRA, doesn't pay us any money. They earn zero. Can we lose money? Yes, we can lose money. Can you lose 2%? Yes. Can you lose 20%? Yes. Have you ever seen someone lose 100%? Yes. So we wrote all those down. And then what I explained is that your financial planner knows this to be true also. 
the average person makes less than 1% return on their investments. That's it, period. Boom, get over yourself. That's it. Figure it out. Here's what I want you to do. If you can actually remember this, you probably won't, but I'll just say it anyway for those that are actually caring. Take everything you earned last year that was passive income. has nothing to do with your job. has nothing to do with your earned income. has nothing to do with your uh, money you've already earned and, and put into a 401k and you're pulling out because that's money you've already earned. That's earned income. has nothing to do with pensions. It has nothing to That's earned income that's called deferred compensation. has nothing to do with Social Security. That's your money you just getting back. Now, what did you earn last year passively by not going to work? The answer for most people, zero. Everybody else, it's a small amount. You take that small amount and you divide it by your net worth. Take your net worth. This is what you're worth, guys. Take your house. What do you have equity in your house? What do you have in your 401k? What do you have in your IRA? Add them all together, everything you own, and divide. And when you do that, I guarantee you earn less than 1% a year per person of their net worth. That's it. That's what you're earning. And so when we get out here and we say, don't lose money, you're going to have to make a decision to not lose money. You're going to have to buy the right investments to not lose money. Otherwise, you're going to lose money. And your stockbroker knows that. And that's why they diversify. I don't want to diversify. I want to pick the one where I earn the 100%. I want to pick the one where I earn the 20%. And in some cases where my money's sitting around doing nothing, I'm going to pick the one that's 2%. And yes... I've had tons of money sitting in CDs, savings accounts, those types of cash flow vehicles that don't pay very much, but my God, when I wake up tomorrow, I know the money's going to be there. Now, those are holding placeholders for my money until I find one of those 100% or 20% return type of investments. Then I'm going to go back and change over to those and make that difference up by a big win. So if I only earn 2% of my money all year long for a part of a year, a whole year, whatever, but on another part of my money, I'm earning 100%, the net average of my money is going to be much larger. So what is the net average of the top investors that I've ever met? The net average over a long period of time is 10%, 20% is a superstar. If you could take your millions and keep your money moving at 10, 20%, you'd be richer than you could ever believe. Problem is, you got to keep working. You got to move that money around. All right, next rule. Next rule is it's got to have cash flow. All this money, I had all these places, nothing was earning me any money. And I realized I wanted to retire. At some point, I go, you know, if you're going to retire, you have to earn money. You have to have cash flow coming in. That's why we get up and go to work every day. That's why you get up and go to work every day. It doesn't matter how much money you have sitting in a 401k or how much you have sitting in an IRA or wherever you have it stuck. Your equity in your house. Did your house ever send you a check in the mail and said, here, hi, Dale, I'd like you to live off this equity or from this distribution from me, the house, so you can go pay for your groceries and your taxes and your cars and your gasoline, your food and so forth, clothes? No. Your house doesn't pay you anything. In fact, it requires you to pay money towards it. Your 401k doesn't pay you anything. There's no ever a check in the mail that says, hi, I'm your IRA or your 401k sending you some money so you can have a better life. No, the money's always going into those vehicles. And so rule number two is there has to be cash flow. So when I bought my first rent house, and the numbers will stagger your mind and just it'll blow you away. I bought a little three-bedroom, two-bath, one-car garage. I think it was maybe no, maybe two-car garage. A little small house, a little 1,300-square-foot home back then, which was pretty common 30 years ago. I bought this house for $25,000 from Fannie Mae. It had been a foreclosure. 
and Fannie Mae had, had to foreclose on it, take it back. They fixed it up. And here's a beautiful thing. It's the beginning of Lifestyles Unlimited because I bought this house. It did everything to teach me the right way to own real estate. What do I mean by that? They had put a new roof on it. They had painted the interior and exterior. They replaced the carpet and the linoleum. They replaced all the appliances. Everything was brand new in the house. It was just everything brand new. And so when I bought it, I didn't have to do anything on the house except put a tenant in there. When I put a tenant in, it was easy because everything was brand new. It was instantly I leased it. And I'm like, man, this business is really easy. (laughs) I leased a brand new house. Of course people want to live here. They'd love this thing. And I got good rent. And at the time, good rent was something ridiculous. I mean, I think it was only like $400 a month. And my positive cash flow was like $200 a month. Now, that's then. Now, our rents are probably somewhere more along $1,500 a month. And our positive cash flow is more like $500 a month. So there's a larger payment. There's a more expensive home. But the margin is physically larger, $500 a month instead of $200 a month of profit. But the percentage-wise is much smaller because back then we had almost nothing in the deal. I bought the deal for $25,000. I had to put 10% down, which was $2,500. The guy that sold it to me, the, the agent, you know, told me, don't be afraid of leasing it. I'll lease it for you. And he leased it before we even closed on the deal. He had a tenant ready to go in and had $500 a month positive cash. I'm sorry, $500 a month rent and the last month's security deposit, which was uh, not the last month. Don't say that. It was a security deposit of $500. So I had $1,000 at closing credited to me from the tenant moving in that had gotten from the agent had gotten from the tenant. So here I was, I had to put $2,500 down. There was 500 in closing costs, so I had $3,000 out of pocket. I got 1,000 from the tenant, so I got in the deal for just 2,000 bucks. $2,000, I bought a house that was leased the day I bought it. It was brand new, there was no maintenance to do. And from that point on, I made $200 a month positive cash flow. Day one, out of the box. No period, downtime, no none, nothing. Everything that I had taken, Dave Dove, Dotto, Robert Allen, Jeff McCone, Tommy Vu, Mylans, Ron LeGrand, Carl Sheets, Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump, and every other real estate guru out there had said, buy it, renovate it, go through all this work, do this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Put your brother in there, your cousin in there. You think they won't pay you. They hate you. They're, they're going to say you're an idiot because you won't let them live there for free. But every mistake in the world that I had read about, We'd solved all of them. And there I was with $200 a month positive cash flow. I'm at the closing table, and uh, <laughs> the broker looks at me and goes, so now? You know, because I was scared to death. I told the guy a couple times, I don't think so. I was a little worried. I was very hesitant. I almost backed out a couple times. And he just laughed at me. He goes, so here, here's the $1,000 from your tenant and blah, blah, blah. So as we walked out of there, he goes, you want to do any more of these? And I looked at him, and a big grin came over my face. And I said, yeah. He said, how many do you want to do? I said, I'll do three more. And he said, why three? I said, because that's all the money I got. Today I'm discussing how I got started in real estate investing, my first couple of purchases and what they meant and the things that I learned by those first couple purchases. So the first rule was don't lose money. And I've never lost money in real estate so far. And number two, uh, don't ever buy anything that doesn't cash flow, anything, any investment ever. Don't buy something that doesn't cash flow, right? So in that scenario, you know, we go on and I bought this first rent house. I only put $2,000 down. Broker asked me, did I want any more? And I said, yeah, I'll take three more. He laughed and said, okay, why only three? And I said, because that's all the money I had at the time. 
So um, we purchased three more houses over the next 30 days. And at the end of two months of working with this gentleman, I owned four rent houses. Out of pocket was $8,000 on four rent houses, 2000 each. And I made $220 of positive cash flow per house, so I made $880 a month. And within two months, I realized something. And this is probably the most important thing I realized ever. Most people just look at it like, okay, how can $220 a month get me anywhere near my salary, my income? Today, that number's probably more like four or $500 a month positive cash flow, sorry. Even then, they go, well, how does four or $500 a month actually help me? And if you see it that way, then you don't see the picture. You don't understand where we're going with this process. See, in corporate America, every time I would turn a gym around and it would make more money and there'd be more profit, they would take that gym away from me and give me one that was all messed up. If I created great staff, they would steal my staff and put them in other projects where supervisors couldn't create great staff. So there was always this constant up and down, up and down, up and down. But what I realized was I own these houses. They're never going away. I'm going to have an additional $880 a month for the rest of my life. Now, everything's proportional. And let's say you had four houses now that had $500 a month. That's $2,000 a month now. What would $2,000 a month do for you? Well, let me tell you what it did proportionally back then. I lived in a condo that I was purchasing. It cost me $410 a month. This income covered that. I had electric bills. The water was part of the condo, but we had electric bills. It covered that. I had a, a pay, car payment, small car payment. This income covered that. So what am I saying? Almost all of my bills were covered by this $880 a month. Now, I already lived on almost nothing because, like I've told you my story, I've been working 12 hours a day, six days a week. I only had the basic bills and utilities that you would have, and it covered almost all of them. I said to myself, okay, I need one more rent house to cover food. Right? If I got one more rent house to cover food, then I can buy one more rent house and I can cover clothes and I need another rent house to cover insurance. And so I went out and I started buying rent houses under the assumption that I'm going to chunk my way to financial freedom in my brain. And today in my brain, financial freedoms where your passive income streams cover your cost of living. And if your passive income streams cover your cost of living, then you're retired. Then you're done. Now, do you have the ability to work then? Yes. Can you? Yes. Should you? Maybe. Don't know. Depends on what your job is. If your job is miserable and unhealthy, then you probably should quit that job. But now, because you have enough income to live on, you can spend the time to go find a job you like to do that is healthy and do that job if you want to still do a job. Because quite honestly, there's no point in your life where you just stop doing stuff. Retirement is not about stop doing stuff. I probably work as hard now as I did when I had a job. You know, when you get up in the morning and do what I do out there in activities that are forward, taking care of my houses, taking care of my apartments, taking care of my my family, you know, uh, going out and partying, going out and working out, I spend a whole day, I'm busy every day, but I just don't have a job. I don't have a place to go to and show up to have a job, right? So when you think about this, retirement is not an age. Retirement is not an amount of money. 
retirement is a replacement of income. Now, here's the other thing I needed to understand. At the time, I was only making $70,000 a year. Thought that was pretty good for a non-college educated individual. In fact, they told me it was incredible. Every day I went to work, you're lucky to have this job, Dell. You don't even have a college education. Look at how much money you're making. Bob, I took the 70000 I broke it down. I took out income taxes, Social Security, and Medicare. Took out my 401k contribution. I took out my insurance contribution. Took it all out. And what I figured out was, what I realized was, I was only really taking home about $3,000 a month. That's all I had to cover was 3000 a month. So I had gone out and bought like eight rent houses. I think it was eight times 200, 1600. And I was just about there. And then I got this epiphany. Hmm. If I can buy them one at a time, or like I bought three singles in one month, if I can buy them one at a time, why can't I buy them four at a time and buy a fourplex or two at a time and buy a duplex? Well, I went out and I bought myself some duplexes and I bought myself some fourplexes. And what's interesting is, is the down payment on a duplex or fourplex is just about the same as a single property. Yeah, you get two rental units. And there it was. It was enough money at that point to go ahead and cover all of my bills to retire myself. So I'm sitting there at 34 years of age with more income passively than I'm earning, working 12 hours a day, six days a week. And a light bulb went on in my head. It said, Dell, you don't need to work 12 hours a day, six days a week. You can work one or two hours a week taking care of your real estate and then spend the time looking for incredible deals that will continue to improve your lifestyle. And now for the last 30 Let's see, I'm 64, 34, for the last 30 years now, I have been chunking my way up into the millions of dollars a year in income. One little purchase at a time. In fact, in the last 30 days, I've purchased three more businesses. Chunk here, chunk there, chunk everywhere. Have a wonderful day, and remember always, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.